Hello, everyone. Welcome to Einstein Simplified Podcast Labs, <laughs> number one, uh, an exit interview with Dave Snow. So, uh, if you come to our live shows, you will know that Dave is retiring after a long and storied history with the troop. Ten years, is that right? Mm-hmm. Ten years, he says, yes, mouthful of mouth pizza. Mouthful of <laughs> A free Scruffy City Hall pizza. <laughs> uh, and uh, I thought this would be a good time to maybe sit down with him. We've had this idea kicking around to do uh, a uh, an instructional-based podcast. Uh, where you sort of learn our methods, how you know the journeys we've gone on through being in improv, and uh, this is a good time to sit down with Dave since he's on his way out after this show. And uh, Dave, say say hi to the folks. Hi everybody! There Thanks to everyone who's ever listened to our podcast or come to our show and applauded and laughed. We wouldn't do it without you, and we couldn't, or it would be weird. Yeah, it would be very strange. <laughs> so this is not, as you could tell from when this was released, this was not released on normal podcast day. Uh, these are these labs podcasts are going to be sporadic, and just whenever we feel like doing them, you'll just have to keep your eye on the feed. Uh, we've also got Matt Shadorn, old slick shoes, over in the corner. Hello. Hello, he's here. He will. He will hopefully help us keep Dave talking. Uh, as I was saying before we started, the idea is just to get Dave talking and keep talking. But I haven't done that very well because I've been talking <laughs> for the last two minutes. So, uh, Dave, I thought maybe we would start with what your impetus was. Uh, what drove you to get into Einstein Simplified? Well, I had done uh, acting and theater and stuff like that in high school. I took in, taken some acting classes in college when I moved here. I didn't really just jump into the theater scene, and I um, I think I lived here for a year or two before I found Einstein Simplified uh, in the Metro Pulse, and then a friend of mine at the time came down and watched, and the first time I came down here, I was like, how do I get involved? And they were like, yeah, like, pretty much like, you can't, because um, that was That's back. the policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> how do I get in the group? If you you don't. Group, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. You can't be in it. Uh, and that was also, you know, back when, uh, you know, Todd and Bill and a bunch of the old crew were still banging around and doing the show, and they were kind of more of a closed off. <laughs> yeah. And we became later. Bunch of jerks. No, uh, <laughs> no, they were uh, they were awesome, but uh, they had just more of it. And then, so I watched for two years, right? And gave filthy, horrible <laughs> suggestions for the audience. They were great suggestions, but they were filthy most of the time because I was twenty two right. <laughs> and yelling out everything that I could think of. Um, and then when they finally had auditions, I auditioned, and there was like twelve or so auditionees, and uh, I made it. And uh, it was weird because one of the guys' wives. Um, at the time I was like she's like I just when I heard you were auditioning I was like I didn't think you were being very good <laughs> but you're great and so I was like oh, alright there you that's go that's fantastic yeah mm. so apart from Paul obviously because he's been there since basically day one yeah uh, is there anybody else still in the troupe that was there I don't know when Frank joined Frank. so Frank was Frank, Frank, yeah, was Frank preceded me okay um, and Brad okay yeah Brad were both in the troupe and, right um yeah, God, but still, so you're funny. Yeah. you're one of Einstein's longest running. Like, I mean, longest running members currently, and probably mm -hmm. longest running members of all time. 
Yeah, I would say probably up there, probably top five or six. I can't imagine. I mean, Paul, obviously the whole right, the whole twenty. But um, you know, I think Todd, Todd put in a little over ten years. Right. Um, Bill, about the same. Yeah. So I think there's a few ten year club guys. Yeah. Frank's at you know what twelve or thirteen now. So yeah, yeah. it's not many. Yeah. So um, I mean, I know when. Okay, so you saw Einstein and you wanted to get in, mm-hmm. but. What was it that made you want to get in? I, I mean, I felt like a lot of us, at least me, have this idea. Like, I just get like an endorphin rush. I just want to make people laugh. Yeah. It was nothing oh. about improv in particular that attracted me at first. Was it the same with you? Yeah, I've always kind of enjoyed, you know, being in the spotlight and, you know, making people laugh, like you said, entertaining people. And I enjoyed doing improvisation in acting classes. Right. I always found that uh, there was actually one acting class where we were supposed to find a scene and do it. And then my scene partner and I were just like, let's just kind of figure out what we want to do and just improv it. Like, you know, we just kind of did it a couple times. Like, this is kind of where we want to go with it, but we'll let the, the lines feed themselves at the time. Right. Um, and then when I saw them, I was like, and you know, I love whose line, obviously. Every, yes. You know, and uh, when I saw them, I was like, I can do that. You know, I like, think that's something that I couldn't do. Not that I wasn't impressed, but just like, I was like, that's perfect for me. I can, you know, this sounds like, it's like so much fun and yada, right. yada, yada. Yeah. So you had seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, and yeah. you had a little bit of experience, it sounds like, with your mm-hmm. acting group mm-hmm. before you got in improv wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what was some ideas that you had about improv uh, as you were joining the troupe or before you joined the troupe? And um, a follow up have have they changed if you can even remember that and uh you know how how did they change hmm that's interesting um i thought it was just a great way to have fun and uh maybe a springboard to other things right um at the time not realizing <laughs> how easy it is to go unnoticed in knoxville <laughs> um yeah yeah um, and I think I, re- I really wanted to do it and just give to it. And I think one of the reasons that I'm feeling it's time to go is because it's like, what can I get out of this? And that's not a very, that's never a good um, place to be. Right. You're doing an art or something. It's what can I get out of it? It's what can I give to it? Um, I don't know if my thoughts have changed really. It's, it's such a great thing to do. It can be a great springboard. It's a great acting tool right uh you know getting back into theater 10 years you know later after not doing it for that long yeah um, much better okay from doing having done improv just there's so much stuff that people who do improv regularly do automatically such as you know interacting with their space yes. making eye contact um being in the moment that when you're a scripted actor your whole life you can like a lot i see a lot of I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but other people that I've done plays with. No, name some names. Oh, this guy. <laughs> and this guy. George no. Clooney. George Clooney. Oh, my gosh. Hackasaurus. No, but, um, you know, if they're not, if they're kind of on stage, but not in, if they don't have a line for it, they're kind of checked out. And, you know, I see them checked out mentally until, like, you know, their cue line is approaching and then they kind of get back into the scene. Yeah. And so I think that... Um, I don't think that's what you were asking, but that's kind of what I was able to come up with. Well, I mean, it's no, it's it's an interesting answer, and it's uh, I like 
what you said. Um, it's not exactly what I was getting at. So, and I think you will have an answer when I can phrase it in a way that makes you. you right. I guess yeah. I'm talking. And more, we did no prep on this interview. So right. No. Uh, we're, uh, yeah. Um, we haven't even done our show. Uh, so we're at no improv. You had space <laughs> right now. We're cold. <laughs> we got beer. Yes. Um, I guess it's more. What did you think it would take to do improv, or what processes? Did you think, I know a lot of people, I'll give you an example, when they come into improv or when they hear about improv or talk to us after the show, uh, a lot of people say, I'm just not that quick. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. come up with jokes that quick. And while there is some some games, uh, fast-paced games especially, that require some amount of quick, like, you know, putting together a pun based on something, most of it is not quick. And it's, a- it's not. It's it's your. It's just slipping into some natural state. So, did you have any conceptions of? Uh, did you think you were going to have to speed up how quickly you were thinking? Did you think you were going to have to rely on some comedy muscle? Did you no, understand? I've always like, been fairly, you know, quick on my feet and you know, quick witted. It's just one of those right know, gifts that you know I was given. Um, but I agree that the uh, and I'm gonna actually I'm probably gonna be teaching an improv class at yes. Theater Knoxville, which is exciting. But one of the things I kind of want to get across to people who have seen our show and are like, I can't do that. It's like, don't make a joke because like that's one of the big things. That's I think that's one of the big problems for people that audition for Unsensibleified and they don't realize that like the idea is not to make jokes. Like right. And we do it. We we slip into it and we become quippy. But those are always the scenes that kind of don't go anywhere and devolve pretty yes. quickly. Um, and I've always noticed the ones that I've gotten, the scenes that I get the most feedback on and the ones that I feel the best about is when you're just completely immersed. You know, like you see everything, you're acting out, your body's moving kind of, nat- you know, in, in, a, in a natural way where yes. you're not even thinking about it. You're just, it's there and you're fully immersed. And that's kind of a... It's hard to reach that, as I'm sure you know, to fully yes. get there. It's only happened a few times in the 10 years, you know, where you're just completely gone from who you are and in the scene. Um, right. But that's always what you're aiming at. That's the bullseye is to completely lose yourself. And, uh, yeah, that's when it's fun and that's when it's really the best. And that's when everyone is like, they're like how'd you do that? And like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's, with... Uh... Sometimes when you see a scene out there that it's not particularly funny, uh, the audience and the other troop members can tell when you're struggling and you're trying to make it work. Yeah. And it's it, there's like this tension in the air. But sometimes a scene can be not funny. And as long as everyone can tell that they're in the moment, like the actors are in the moment. It's still engaging. People will, yeah, yeah, people are engaged and there's not that tension waiting for a joke. Like the joke will come. Yeah. 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 And I think that's when also when a scene suffers is when you jump the gun or when you're not comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable or kind of being like, you know, don't, don't be afraid to let, let the scene breathe for a second. You know, don't meander, but don't be in a hurry. It's kind of, you know, yes. like, yeah, you know, be quick, but never be in a rush. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of, um, it's a fine line with any, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get it perfect. And, uh, do you have any kind of, um, any kind of secrets or things you've developed on your own that help you reach that state? Because um, we've all we all say like yes and, and we right, all you right, know, right, right, and like right. we all know like there's the basic rules, but like what's what's the Dave Snow method to getting into that Zen state? <laughs> well, uh, 
use everything you know. I mean, you know, if you can if you can fully embody, if you're like, I know exactly what to do, fully embody it. My second go-to is always like wordplay. If I don't know specifics about, you know, a, whoever I'm supposed to be or, you know, then that's kind of my fallback because that's what I find amusing. That's the way my brain works is wordplay. Yeah. And then um, after that, just kind of throw yourself into it and hope the universe <laughs> yeah. puts things into your brain that make sense. Right. Which is when it's usually the best is when you're just kind of open and loose and not not worrying about it. Yeah. Um, characters, obviously important in improv. And I've always thought that you did really good character work as far as not just walking in and being like, hey, bro, I'm a 20 to 30 year old male that knows all the stuff that I know. Right. Um, so what, how do you, how do you come up with characters in scenes? Like what, how do you, what's the germ there? Oh, geez. Um, I guess try to find the voice and then a posture. Right. You know, and just kind of picture in my mind, what is this person's general deep-seated emotional modality? You know, are they happy, sad, you know, and then just kind of operate from that baseline. And I find scenes much easier to do in character. Yes. And to just be, you know, guy who <laughs> walks and talks like I do. Because then you're struggling for one-liners and yada, yada, yada. Whereas yes. if you're a character and you're really embodying it, the humor comes out of being a fully fleshed out character right and people's uh, people can be so amazed and amused at a fully fleshed out character just doing what they do like paul paul's brilliant at this like his characters i think you know are spectacular and just like he's fully immersed and interactive with his um environment as that character yeah and that just that will be one-liners every time you know you can have the cleverest thing to say but if you're there you're going to be top-notch. The audience will be mesmerized. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything you do that you think uh, bucks the traditional improv trend that is, uh, you know, it works, maybe only works for you, or maybe it's something other people can learn from? You know, I guess just knowing when to break the rules and right. knowing like when it's appropriate and when it's not, and that's kind of a feel thing more than just a like a scientific thing. It's more of an intuition. Like, hey, now's the time to break this fourth wall and tell the audience, you know, blah 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 blah. Right. And sometimes when you break the fourth wall, it's the worst, most awkward, scene destroying thing you could ever do. Yes. And so I'm just kind of having that, you know. Because it's so easy to destroy this little, you know, an improv scene's like a little souffle. Right. And, you know, you make you know, you can always mistakes can be corrected, but if you like poke a hole in it, it's it's done. You know, it's gone. Just throw it yes. out and make another one. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think that's a point where you have to have some trust with the person that is ending the scene. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes you can end, you can break the fourth wall as a joke, but it needs to end the scene because if the scene attempts to limp on, yeah, it fails a lot. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I have made or anyone can make is to have an end point in mind that's not pre-established because of yes. game rules but like or have, even just having a too, too rigid a preconceived notion of what you want the scene to be because then if the other person isn't going your way you're going to be arguing or bantering or um, negotiating which is you know the most boring thing to watch on stage is two people negotiate <laughs> right yeah absolutely yeah. actually I remember seeing it was uh, you and I did it at the well and um it was a scene, I think it was maybe uh, 
actors in a square or actors in a triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I were doing a scene, and we started out with the word Spartan, I believe. And we both looked at each other, and we like it was this look because you and I often do the same thing where we take whatever the suggestion is and we turn it on its Twist head, it, right. and we make like how we interpret the suggestion a joke that also begins the scene. Right. So I think they were expecting like a three hundred type scene, of course. And you and I turned it into like very simplistic living. Yes. And it became, it wasn't, like, it was kind of funny. Like, we got a couple good jokes at first, but then it became one of those scenes where we're pulling out one-liners, right? Yeah. Oh, let's, and we were scraping, scraping, scraping. And then finally, we had, like, this super, like, for some reason or another, we had this super emotional moment in the scene. Like, we decided, like, one was that right after we had gone to the improv fest and learned that technique about you look sad? Or, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. It may have been the Meisner technique or whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. And we made a we made it like well one is more Spartan than two or something like that. And that, that somehow just like us breaking up like that became what everyone enjoyed about this. And we started getting laughs even though we weren't trying very hard. Yeah. And that's where a scene can transition, like you said, from. From like a one-liner into an actual character-driven scene. Yeah, and that's one of the dangers of. I love twisting stuff, but you also got to know like, if you twist it to the point where this is gonna get a great laugh when I say it, and there's nowhere to go. You know, like when the twist becomes when the opening line becomes everything funny about that idea. Right. Then you got you can't do it. You got to just kind of go with the normal audience. With the Spartan thing, yeah, it took it took us a second to get around to what was gonna work on it. But I yeah, do, I do remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I still remember that typewriter. That typewriter where, like, at the beginning, I came in like as a softball or a missile. It was like, and then like hit Roy. I don't know. Then yeah. At the end, I ended up blowing myself into a cannon. And she, I remember because I watched it again, like on the recording. But yeah, just one of those like full circle moments where you're like, how did that even happen? Who knows? That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that scene because there was time travel in it. Yeah. And you had played the softball, but then later in came in as a person. <laughs> Like yes, I, yeah, I was, because I loaded myself into a cannonball. And, well, I'll tell you how that moment happened, is I thought that would be funny, and yeah. I was running the typewriter. That's right. But it was, that was a point where I needed you to, because I couldn't tell you that's what I wanted. Right. I needed you and I to be in that headspace yeah. without speaking, and you figured, like, you understood what I was doing, and it happened, and it was that, like, telepathy, the group yeah. mind gives. You must have stuck it in my head, because I was like, for all of a sudden, I was just like, I want to load myself in this cannon. I don't know why. But then as we went to the next scene, I was like, well, that's perfect. Yeah. So, it was, know, it was, it was that's how it works. Watch that scene again and yeah. see me battering you <laughs> towards putting yourself in yeah. that cannon. Re- now, that's how I remember. I remember like having that, not the whole scene, but plan. But let's talk about group mind. Oh, yeah. Because that was a, that was a time that we had group mind and it paid off very well. Yeah. Um, how do you get into group mind with everyone here? You gotta just, just being open, I guess, and not realizing that we don't know where I our where our ideas come from, right? Know, like, and we don't know where they're gonna lead. So be open to just making mistakes and looking like a fool, and realizing that some of the ideas you may have be because you're telekinetically, you're psychically linked with the rest of the group, and so you might 
not even because I've, I've said stuff during scenes like I don't know why I said that and someone's like I was thinking that exact same thing and hoping and I was like oh, okay well I guess that's why I said it because you thought it loud enough that I heard it <laughs> and did what you wanted me to do um, that's the only way I can explain some of the times some of the things that have happened on stage because I'm like I don't know why I did that I don't even know what that means sometimes and then they're like that's what I wanted yeah so um, I mean I think that right there just doing improv I think will give you some sort of belief in a metaphysical connection between people as much as anything else will, just because, like, especially when we're doing the, uh, every other, other line, sometimes the way those plays line up, just like, something weird is going on yeah. in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's putting yourself, it's like, it's putting yourself in that position to be open to these sorts of coincidence and these sorts of, you know, collaborative headspaces. Yeah. Between people. And once you're open to the idea of them existing and, like, the idea of that possibility, you've cleared the first hurdle and you can kind of, you know, off you go. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, I don't think you can use improv as a proof of, like, you know, spiritual oh. things beyond oh, you. I do. But it definitely... I am going to live forever. And you know how I know? <laughs> Improvisation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did a scene once where I lived forever. And, uh... But it's it does it it does happen, and it's I think it's proof to well the power of improv and being open, the power of the mind, if nothing else. Right. Uh, you know, I think a, a good example of that is uh, well, when Matt, you're one of them, and when Megan, Matt, and Megan started performing with us, they didn't uh, they weren't super like, and it's not nothing against them, but it took a while to gel. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, no one step, you know, as far as my experience goes, you don't step in and just become a part of the headspace. No, yeah, like, it takes, it, well, and everyone's coming from, like, he, he came from a stand-up background, Megan comes from more of a writing background. You know, Fennell came from a stand-up background, it took him quite a while to get into doing characters and stuff as opposed to just making jokes all the time and, you know, just, hmm. so your background... I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of people think that stand-up and improv are, I guess they're distant cousins, but, you know, it's like improv is somewhere between stand-up and acting, but it's also, you're all making it up at the same time. It's its yeah. own thing. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing. Right. You know? But you, it doesn't take very long to, like, when you start listening to people that are really in improv, that it starts, it starts getting that weird, like, almost cultish thing. It's like, no, 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 no. It's just like a way to think. Yeah, and it's it's just like a way to be open to things, and it's positive and it's magical and it's spirit. And like that's people like everyone that I've ever heard that talks about improv gets like they start raving like that, yeah. and it doesn't take long to go like to sort of understand why. Yeah, once you're yeah once yeah. you get into it and get open to it, I think it scares people get too intimidated by it. I think thinking like you talked about earlier, like I'm not quick witted, I can't do it, and of course you can. You know, you walk through your day without a script. Like, uh, exactly. So if you can, if you can talk, you can do improv. Right. Um, oh man, I had something. Uh, and I'm sure talking about not remembering what it was will remind me what it was. <laughs> um, Matt, any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean I didn't gel at first? I'm a little, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, with the, uh, with the, uh, the group mind thing where you were talking about, um, whatever game, uh, I forgot what game you're talking about, but I was thinking Triangle is a really good game for that too. Because like, when people, but to see the different groups, like what they do with it is often, like often there's weird parallels, but it often isn't, I don't know if I've ever seen where people take the suggestion and they go exactly the same direction. No. But that's, then there's often like weird tangential things that happen. That's, I don't know. That's I, interesting. I loved when 
that idea like occurred to me. I was like, because I would love to see it was like you know such a night, such a simple concept, seeing the same you know suggestion played out two different ways. Right, as yeah. always, yeah. Oh, oh, so you developed um, triangle, yeah, triangle. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Actually, that does. I was going to ask you about games. That's what it was. I was wondering. Uh, well, let's start out. What other games that Einstein Simplified plays? Or maybe played once and it didn't go over well. <laughs> right. Uh, did you develop? Because I know we've all sort of had our hand at, like, we've all had an idea of what yeah. would work. Uh, Actors in a Triangle, uh, King's Court, um, the Great Moments in and Future of, although, I mean, I stole the Great Moments in from that Chappelle Show sketch, but I was like, well, that'd be a great thing to do a fast-paced game on. Yeah. Um, so the great moments in, and you said the future of the future of, oh, which wow. we don't play very often. But yeah, yeah. I like that game. I I put it a lot in my. Yeah. Uh, I, I had no idea. I thought that was just like you know, in like the nineteen no, seventies improv manual or whatever. No, no, I came like, up with both of those. Kind of, I was like, well, let's do. Did it the same night. I was like, let's do the past and the future. Of, right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I came up with a couple more. Um, that. Um, Think not. Oh, she. That's what she said. You know how we played that. That's what oh, she yeah. said. Where you can say anything, but that's what she said. Right. And the idea was to just do a bunch of those setups that people always that every asshole you know goes. That's what she said. Yeah. I throw as many of those like up without ever <laughs> saying without it, just so the audience is just like <laughs> waiting for the punchline. <laughs> There's never a punchline. Um. That one, the first time we did it, it went amazingly. Yes. Like, it was hysterical. And it never really clicked as well after that, so I don't know. Let's try it again sometime. Yeah. You guys will have to. Well. <laughs> or you don't. <laughs> you yeah. don't do anything at all. No, that, I th- you're right. It did have, it did work that one time. And that's, that's something funny, I think, is about games, is you can have people that understand like, when you tell them the game, they immediately grok it. And, yeah. and they, and they do it in a funny way. And then you get some people that just, they don't, you know, and they'd figure it out, but for some reason it doesn't, they don't quite understand where the humor is going to come from there. Right, yeah. Um, what what games do you like that you didn't develop, and, and why do you uh, like them? I, love, I think I love New Choice is one of my favorites, just because it's the best of both worlds in terms of you get to be quick-witted and silly, Yeah. yet also get to do a scene. Right. Um... I, world's worst. I think that's a, a, always fun because there's so many avenues you can go down. Yeah, a lot of the other fast-paced games seem really uh, confined as to what you can do. But world's worst, you know, you can either take it dirty or you can be really clever with it and be hysterical. Yeah. Um, rewind, uh, film and theater styles. There's very there's a lot I don't not there's not a lot I don't like except for like. National anthems, and, you know, which yeah. is okay, but um, I don't know. That's all of my favorites. Yeah, did you? Um, I know when I started, there were there were some games that I didn't like. Like I just didn't like them, and I felt confined by them, or I, I felt like what was going on in my head was not a good fit for how they were supposed, in quotes, to work out. And then later on. I realized, like, oh, they don't have, they, they like, I, I, when you, there's this freeing moment where you're like, I can do the scene whenever I want to do with the scene. Like, yeah. I'm not confined by the rules. Yeah. Uh, were, were there any things, or did that happen with you as well? Were in the games that, like, for whatever reason, they were just like, you didn't like them when you first started, but like, you matured until like, turn the corner. Yeah. 
I'm sure there are. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I joined, there was a lot of games I don't, I remember not liking, and then just kind of slowly like, okay, that's all right, that's all right, you know, that's right. okay. As I became more and more comfortable with doing them. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you what they are, but yes, <laughs> yes. How now? Of course, Einstein simplified is uh, short form, and I mean, most of our scenes are probably Three done seven in minutes. like yeah. yeah. Have you done long form improv? No, outside of just whatever you know, the short classes at the Improv Fest, right, in Gallenberg or whatever. Uh, no, not really. And I would like to. I think. I don't know if it'd be as. I think it'd be more valuable as a tool, you know, like as a class, as a teaching thing, than an actual entertainment. Yeah. Outlet. I would like to do that as a. Uh, and when I teach that class, there may be some more long form worked in yeah just to uh which is well that's also what i do like i like throwing in the free flow you know that was i know that's just a right. small but it, um, like i would almost consider that one like medium form because yeah. like it's, it's, it's a merge it can, between what we do in right longer form uh you know and i don't want to judge long form people but it seems like they take it a little too seriously to the point where it's not fun you know it's like yeah. oh let's explore our actory pathos <laughs> and well, my dad cut everything in the house. No one cares. Like, shut up. Quit <laughs> being so self-indulgent and entertain the people. You know, I don't want to watch that. That's fine. I get, again, like, if it's a class and it's a tool and you're learning how to, you know, d- dive into your character and explore your dark emotions, great. Right. But I don't want to watch it. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I was listening a while back to an interview with uh, Matt Besser. And who is with Upright Citizens Brigade? Right. Real, like maybe he even started Upright Citizens Brigade. So like one of the improv like kings of our time. Right. And he he talked about the idea of yes and in a very different way than I considered it before. He viewed it as almost a nothing more than a tool. And I want to put words in his mouth, but he used the idea of what he's like when you're yes anding. As in, it's this thing that you have to get through before you build the actual scene. Yeah. And, like, I don't think I'm too off base with, like, what his interpretation of it was. Because afterwards he was talking, like, I like it when I have a full scene set up and we can just start. Yeah. Um, what, in that, in those nebulous moments at the beginning of the scene, uh, is, is that your favorite part to do or do you like it after things have been more established and um do you like where do you think more comedy value lies i think the clearer the scene can be established from the beginning the more razor sharp the comedy can be because there's less meandering at the beginning to try and figure out okay what are we what's our relationship and i used when i used to put more a lot more effort into my hosting i would set up the whole scene basically mm-hmm. instead of getting like hey what's what adventure are they on i would set up like they're doing this 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 and this what sort of backpack is he wearing you know so you're getting yeah. something from the audience but it's not anything important um i think that yeah the, the quicker you can get to whatever the scene is going to be about is the more fun and it seems like sometimes depending on the host um when we get a nebulous setup and it takes a minute or two to get rolling, like as soon as it hits a high point, then the scene gets cut and it's like, well, we just figured it out. Like we just figured out what was fun about this. Right. And so the quicker you can get to what's fun about the scene, 
then the better. Gotcha. Yeah. So you prefer after it's been set up, then, you would say? I think so, yeah. Um, you know, it's always fun when you're looking at somebody else like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Know? And then sometimes that sheer terror of, do you know what this subject is? <laughs> okay, then you're in charge and I'm just going to follow your lead. Yeah. Or vice versa, like, I got this. You just, you be the <laughs> the person who doesn't know and I will show you. Yeah. Do you, um, how important is audience feedback to you? In terms of what they think? Or... In, in terms of, of how well you think you did and in terms of how the, it influences the creative decisions you make during the scene. Oh, half and half. Yeah. Sometimes I know I'm being funny even when the audience isn't picking up on it just because it may be something that's right they don't know you know it's like very obscure whatever be like if you knew this <laughs> you yeah. would love it um then other times you know they're kind of like okay this is not working let me try and <laughs> restructure what i'm working here and figure it out but then also sometimes you know like the audience is grinning and enjoying it and you can't hear it because you're locked into the other person right and then you get nervous even though they're loving it and then so you start being stupid and going for jokes or being gross or something like that because you get nervous and then you just destroy. So just maintaining that confidence, even when it's not working and just being like, yeah. you know, the, I'm locked in with my scene partner yeah. and yada, yada, yada. We're going to get through this. Because sometimes you're just out there and you're just dangling and you just got to dangle together right. and get through it and... Say, whew, that was yeah. that was rough. Yeah, <laughs> and off we go. But sure, yeah, because you're gonna be. It's improv. You're gonna just lay some eggs, and you just gotta go. Well, that was bad. <laughs> off yeah. we go. Let's, yeah. let's try it again. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's like a quarterback shaking off an interception. You just gotta put that one behind you, and off you go. Right. Uh, do you um, have a way? I, I feel like in our shows, and this may not be true for everyone, uh, that the energy that the audience brings into the room is super influential yeah. in yeah. how the show happens. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Because, I mean, if you have a big crowd right off the bat, you feel great. Right, yes. Uh, and if you have, you know, a small crowd right off the bat, you feel it's going to take some work. Yeah. And you can get that working, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes in, but when you have a big crowd and the MC gets a big laugh and you're like, okay... They're on our side. You feel a lot more you're like that exhale comes right. from the outset instead of 15 minutes in. Yeah. You know? So you're like, okay, we can be loosey. We can be goosey. We can have fun. We can. We don't have to be pulling teeth from the audience. They want to give as much as we want to give. And it's a very mutual symbiotic relationship as opposed to some audiences where you're just giving and giving and giving. And they're just taking and taking and taking. And that's all that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Do, how do you, how do you control the crowd? Like when I'm the MC or Yeah, when, when you're the MC and you have a lot of influence and I'll go ahead and say and, and and I'll just let you respond to it. Something that I kind of feel that you do um is that I think you are very charming to audiences. And just to audiences. To audiences. <laughs> <laughs> um and I think people in a way it, it's almost it comes e- I don't want to say it comes easy for you because maybe you just make it look easy. But I feel like audiences respond to you 
very easily, and they let you get around with sort of beating them up a little bit more <laughs> yeah. than some some other hosts. Right. And is, is that something that you do on purpose? Like, do you understand that, like, charismatic power you have? Yeah, and I think the reason I can get away from with it is because, and it's kind of something I've been able to do my whole life, is that I don't have any malicious intent, like, right. in my heart, and I think that comes across, like... I don't dislike you. You know, like, I love all of you no matter how much I might make fun of you for whatever reason. Like, mid-show, it's only for a humorous purpose. Right. Not to degrade you. Like, just to let's all share a laugh. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that's... I've, I've poked fun at some Einstein members also, like, making fun of a joke they just made. And some people have, a couple of times, have taken it a little more seriously than I wish they had. But it's also kind of like, you know, if you don't acknowledge a big elephant... You know, I think that the, the audience doesn't want, you know, it's like, oh, don't, you got to say something about what just happened. And, you know, right. and so sometimes you have to, and you have, even if it's just to ease that tension. And sometimes that hurts feelings, but, you know, that's comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's rolling, that's, that's rolling a mistake into, I mean, in, in big quotes. Right, 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 right. A mistake into something, you know, that's actually drives the scene or it's, it's. Or like, trying to turn a bad one-liner into. Come back. <laughs> you yeah. know, don't, don't run away. Stay with us. Yeah, exactly. And like, it doesn't matter what happens before you get to the laugh, just as long as you, you get to that laugh eventually. Yeah. And I absolutely do that, too. I don't think that's uh, that's anything that yeah anyone should feel bad about. And I think when I, quote unquote, make fun of an audience member's suggestion or, you know, like, uh, 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 that I am with the consensus, for lack of a better term. Like, you know, like the rest right. of the audience is kind of like, don't do that. Or, you know, yeah, I don't feel like I'm trending against everyone. And when I do that, I try and do it as not the host. Like, if I'm going to say something that's particularly, you know, inflammatory, yeah. I try and do it when I'm not hosting that way. And kinda, ah, I'm just a guy in the scene. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um... If you're asking me how you can be mean to the audience and have them still love you, I don't know. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. And, um, um, hug them. Yeah. Uh, was that always, when you when you hosted, was that something that came easy to you from the beginning? Or was that something that you, that you learned over time? <clears throat> I think I've always been decent at it. I, did, I used to hate it. Um, and then once I embraced it, and kind of realized that hosting, you kind of got to be in charge of the show. Right. And once I started enjoying being like, well, what show do I want to see? Like, if I was an audience member, what show would I want to see? And once I started doing it that way, and figuring out the pacing, taking, you know, enjoying the challenge of figuring out the pacing of how to ratchet up what game list, you know, what games to put where, I, I started to enjoy it a lot. Gotcha. Yeah, and it became one of my favorite things to where I was looking forward to hosting. Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't like yeah. to host. I mean, there's they just cannot deal with it, or they don't like it. Yeah, I even thought about being, like, not all-time host. But, you know, like, like I'll host for a month in a row, like, no problem, you know, just because I became enamored with the uh, that part of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's less pressure. You don't have to be funny, but you get to be if you want to be. Exactly. Yeah. You can just you can just be that, that energy driving force or if you think of a good joke, you can come out and tell it and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, that guy's really funny. Andy can host. You're like, yeah, but that's all one joke <laughs> yeah. over a course of ninety minutes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And like I said, you get to you get to be charming. You get to uh I'll, you get to be you as opposed to being a character, which is right. fun. Yeah. You get to be you without being like the stand-up, without having the stand-up rules of 
I have to make a bunch of jokes. It is kind of like you get to interact with the audience, and yes, it's fun. Uh, you touched on um, game list choices and arranging games. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on that? Like what Like what is your method for making a game list? I like to have the. Uh, I like to kind of do like a ratchet effect, you know, or a uh, like three or four game arcs. Right. To where, like, the first four games, I want them all to be not fast, but quick in terms of either, like, a quick scene or something that's attention-getting, gets the audience involved, gets them all focused on what's happening mm-hmm. to as fast as possible within the first three or four games. Then, once you have them, once you get, you know, follow up, like, a fast, follow up two scene games with a fast-paced game or something like that. And then, once you have them with a huge laugh, that's when you kind of settle in do a guessing game, do, you know, a, a talking head scene or something like that. Once you have their attention, right. once their energy is high and they're engaged, but they're ready to kind of take a breather, you know, that's when you settle in and like, let's do one that takes a little bit of setup and that's what we uh, Okay, that took a long time. Let's kick the energy back up, you know, so that it's kind of a cold, a dance of energy to where it's building but then you're sustaining and like okay let's level out let's level out build it build it build it build it build it all right all right and you know it's where you're it's a build and the new the new pause each time where you're leveling off is higher than it was before right to where by the end of the show those last three to four games are your strongest and you know by the last one you want it to be not a fast game unless you want to but you know to where the energy is crackling something like survivor you know something where it's really moving really fast and send the whole audience out on a high note and that's what they remember, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Yes, uh, let's see. Let's talk real quick. Um, let's talk about the podcast. Yeah, because that was something that uh, I think you and I were the people that really wanted it to happen before right. it started. Yeah, and then there for the longest time until you got pulled away by plays. Yeah, you and I alternated weeks hosting. Right. Uh, and I went back and listened to some of those early podcasts the other day, and, uh, like, I, I could, you know, our hosting styles were very, were very different, and, um, what, uh, what do you think makes a good podcast as opposed to a good live improv show? Ooh, that's hard, because I, I don't know, I haven't gotten any feedback on our podcast, personally. Right. Um, and I I find myself, to be honest, I find myself struggling sometimes to be natural during them just because it's a whole new... Not the audience feedback. You know, yes. Not the energy. Um, so I think the idea... I think you have to kind of change up the structure. You can't do it the exact same way between four people that you can do with eight and an audience. Right. So I think the interplay needs to be more fun, more engaging between each other. Yes. More talking, more... Because when I listen to podcasts, I don't listen to any just straight improv games. Like, I don't listen to improv for humans or anything like that. I listen to stuff where it's mostly talk, but it's funny people talking. Right. And I enjoy that. Because a lot of, you know, funny people are really intelligent and they know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Yes. And hearing it come from funny people is ten times more engaging than hearing some professor talk about. Gotcha. So that's... You know, obviously, comedy bang bang, and I'm a huge, uh, became a huge never not funny fan. I don't know if you listen to that, but uh, uh, I've been meaning to, yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah. So, um, but I love podcasts, and I would love to find a way to do 
keep doing something with it. Uh, yeah. Evolve it. Um, I like what we were doing, but it's still like, I think there could be more evolutions in the future, uh, obviously. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, even as you, even as you back off, like I'm, I'm more than happy with having you come by for the podcast. Okay. Like, like open invitation. I mean, if it even needs to be fucking said, <laughs> open invitation to like to come be on the podcast. Oh, well, there's a very good chance I'm going to Brett Favre this thing in a month and a half. Just be like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I I thought I could go without you guys, but I just I can't. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna be. You're gonna. You're gonna send us pictures of your penis. So I was like, that's you shouldn't do that. Listen, this. <laughs> yeah. I miss you guys enough. Guess I have dirty thoughts. <laughs> That's what, he, that's what he said in that text message to that cheerleader. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stay classy, Brett. <laughs> Brett Favre. Uh, it's, always, it's always nice to know that, like, some, like, whenever you feel dumb about shit you've done in your life or whatever, like, oh, yeah, some 40 year old guy, like, texted his dick to a cheerleader and said, I guess I have dirty <laughs> thoughts, like, he was 16. Uh, oh, God. Guys, uh, Dave, is there anything that uh, we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? Any. Uh, parting words of wisdom for those that would improv. If you have any inclination to do it, do it. Find a way. Find some friends. Uh, don't be scared. Just don't worry about looking stupid. You're going to look stupid. <laughs> so just get over it. Uh, it'll help you in life when you feel like all those moments where you you know feel dumb and idiotic. Be like, well, I've been through here before. I've been laughed at by a room full of people. What's, <laughs> you know, one guy here or there. Um yeah, just don't be scared. Follow your dreams! <laughs> all, all that good stuff. Uh, and thank you to everyone again uh, for listening to this and for coming to the shows. And thank you, Aaron, for setting this up and doing yeah, this. Yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on this all week. Well, thanks. Yeah, I really have been. And uh, I hope I didn't let you down. You certainly did not. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a, it's been a hoot. Bye. Bye. <laughs>